Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. The 23rd Psalm. Let me... I'm going to read the whole psalm. We're going to spend a few weeks uh, in this familiar psalm, and each week we're going to just read all six verses because it's my hope that uh, uh, the verse one through six just get established into your heart and and just kind of become something that you just kind of recite and are dwelling on throughout the week. And, and let's just begin to establish that that pattern. Uh, by reading it uh, aloud this morning as we begin. David writes in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and I know that for probably most of you, as we read that 23rd Psalm, it was very familiar. It was a psalm that uh, uh, maybe you've been dwelling upon recently. I know I've, I've heard that from several of our people within the congregation. And the 23rd Psalm is unique in the sense that it is familiar to us, but it's also unique in the sense of what context we are used to hearing it. Because the vast majority of the time we hear the 23rd Psalm, we are in a funeral or a memorial service. And I want to tell you today, we're not having a funeral and we're not having a memorial service because the context of this psalm is limitless. It finds application in every area of our lives. And we have a tendency, I believe, with the 23rd Psalm to kind of recognize and hold on to and be familiar with just specific portions of it. We remember maybe a certain phrase or verse or line, and uh, that's kind of the context that we think of when we think of the 23rd Psalm. And, and I'm just hoping that as we spend some time in it as a congregation, we're going to grasp the whole of it from beginning to end. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the 23rd Psalm, my heart quickly becomes filled with confidence. I receive comfort. I'm reminded of our identity in Christ. I'm reminded that our fears can be cast down. And I'm reminded of the one who holds me in his hand. He's a good shepherd. And the reality is this. I told this to the group on Thursday night. 
the 23rd Psalm is not like the gallon of milk that you buy from the grocery store. Just think about this for a second. We all go to the grocery store. We walk up to the cooler. We identify the kind of milk that we want to buy. We open the door. That blast of cold air hits us in the face. And what's the first thing that you look for before you grab your gallon of milk? The date. Yeah, the date. Right? Because in that cooler, you know, there might be one gallon of milk that expires like two days after the first one that you see, right? <laughs> and we all do this. And um, this 23rd Psalm does not have an expiration date. The peace it gives us, the confidence it gives us, the courage it gives us, the things it reminds us of have no expiration date, but they apply to the whole of our lives now and forevermore. And I'm praying that that's what settles into us. We don't just see it as something for a memorial service. We don't just remember one verse, but the whole of it becomes something that guides us and directs us and encourages us. So we're going to begin in verse 1 with this uh, simple but profound and powerful statement of David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now it would be very easy to just rush past that and, and to uh, move on to the next things that he has to say to us. But I'm stopping right there, and I'm beginning with this question. What does that phrase mean? The Lord is my shepherd. What is the, the truth that is being projected to us as David pens those words? And it's a simple yet profound truth, and it reminds us of this. That we all need to know the care of the good shepherd. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with him. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. It doesn't matter what you do for your career. If you have breath in your lungs, you need to know the care of the Good Shepherd. And David recognized that. And this statement, the Lord is my shepherd, is, is one that is very specific but it is also very personal in that it reminds us that there was a moment in David's life where he made a choice. He made a choice to put his life under the care and the authority of the one who created him. So it's very personal in that sense because. I believe as David is writing those words, he's, he's maybe even recalling that moment. And he's thinking about all of the ways that the Lord had shown himself as his shepherd as he writes verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. But it's also very specific in this sense. Throughout much of the Old Testament... Relationship to the Lord is framed as a matter of national identity. You know, we read statements like this within the Scripture. 
you shall be my people and I will be your God, Jeremiah 30, 22. And this is true. As a nation, Israel had been called out from among the nations. They had been chosen by God. They had been set apart. And oftentimes, as the prophets write and we read the Old Testament scriptures, we are being reminded that relationship to the Lord was a matter of national heritage and national identity. But as Paul, or rather, but as David writes these words in the 23rd Psalm, he is recognizing that he has come to a place where he has recognized that his faith in God has moved beyond his heritage to his own. To his own. And that is what the Lord wants to establish in the hearts of all of his people. That yes, we would be a part of a people, a body. But we would also have this very personal relationship with the one who made us. So that we too could declare, the Lord is my shepherd. So I want to unpack this a little bit. I want us to think about this, this personal aspect of knowing the Lord and following His lead. Because here's the reality. We all place ourselves under the authority of something. Every person makes a choice to live for something. And the reality is, as you begin to look like that which you live for, and the world that we live in today is filled with many alternatives, many things that want to shepherd our lives into a specific direction. And we must be diligent in making sure that we are not yielding our lives to anything but the Good Shepherd, the Lord the one who died on the cross for us, the one who gives us life. And that's a choice that each of us has to make, and it's a choice that determines what guides our lives, what fills our lives, and ultimately what becomes the fruit of our lives. Because for you and for me and for every person who has put their faith in Christ, the only right choice is to be under the authority and to be submitted to the Lord. And David is not the only one who affirms this. Joshua brought this same charge to the nation of Israel. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. For two verses, it's a little bit lengthy, but let me read it to you because it's It it kind of defines the kind of moments that we come to in our lives and the decisions that we have to make and the paths that we have to choose. And, And Israel had found themselves there again. And in that moment, their leader Joshua gives them this instruction. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that were served on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites 
in whose land you dwell. And then you all are familiar with this phrase because this is Joshua declaring his choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, here's the Here's the, 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 the connotation, the context, I think the point that Joshua is making. We can become like the land that we live in. God had led his people out of bondage in Egypt and through the wilderness and across the river Jordan into the promised land. And as they received that promise and as they were being established within the land that they were promised... From the very beginning of that time, Joshua declares to them, don't look like the land that we came from and don't look like the land we have just possessed. But rather, choose this day the Lord. And then Jesus kind of takes it a step further. Because Jesus knows our tendency. He, he knows the the, the choices that, that stand in front of us. And he's speaking to the churches in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 3, in verses 14 through 20, he's speaking to a church in Laodicea. And he says to them, he says, I know your works, I know what you have done. I know of the wealth that you have. I know of the, the many things that you possess but I also know how those things have affected your heart. He says, you are lukewarm. You are not hot, you are not cold, but rather you have justified landing in the middle somewhere. And because of that, you, you are neither all mine or all like the land that you want to be like. You're in the middle. And he says to them, I wish that you were either hot or cold. And if you stay the way that you are, my reaction to you is going to be something that is disgusting. He literally says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. But then here's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't just reveal our condition, but rather he shows us the way forward. Because he says to them, I want you to make a choice. And I'm praying for your eyes, that your eyes would be open, that there would be a salve that would be put upon your eyes that would cause you to see things as they are, so that you can repent and become hot for me. So here's kind of the space that we need to live in. We need to, to choose the Lord, and it's not just an event kind of a thing, but it's a daily thing, and we need to recognize that Jesus is the only one who can open our eyes to see reality. Because we can always concoct a, a vision for, for the way that we think things are, the way that we want things to be, but Jesus is the one that opens the eyes. He's the one who pierces the heart, and he's the one who causes us to see things for as they are. So Lord, I choose you today, but Lord, I pray that in that choice, you would open my eyes so that I can see the things that stand in the way, so that I can see the things that have entered into my heart, so I can see the things that I am not seeing the way that you see them. 
choose you this day whom you will serve. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. So as as we look at this and as we we kind of wrestle with these things that David is bringing before us. There may not be a single one of you here in this room today that would dispute that choosing the Lord is the right thing. I mean, we're in church. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We love the Lord. And, and, and when, when I bring to you that simple truth, you're like, yeah, I know that. I'm familiar with that. I recognize that. But what I would draw to our attention this morning is this. Choosing the Lord, yes, is the right choice always, but the challenge comes in the daily things that we face. That big decision is always contested and worked out and proved in the daily things that we face. And it may be moment by moment, each and every day, it might just be a specific day, but there is always a challenge to live out that conviction. So I bring to you this question that we all have to figure out and reconcile within our own hearts. How do we choose the Lord and stay under the care of the Good Shepherd daily? How do we do that? How how, how do we deal with with our, our propensity for the heart to wander and choose the Lord daily? I'm going to give you three things. We see them in this Joshua 24 scripture. We see them throughout the scripture. The first one is this. We must maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. We must maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. When Joshua calls the people to fear the Lord in verse 14, the Hebrew word there is a word that calls them to reverence and respect. Because the Lord is both loving and just. So there's a, there's a recognition taking place of the full scope of God's character and attribute and virtues. And, and i got to tell you that we, we, we always get in trouble when we have a partial view of who the Lord is. And we overemphasize Maybe one of his attributes. Because if we live this life just recognizing that God is a God of grace, and we don't recognize that he is also a holy God, we're going to justify choices that are wrong because we're going to convince ourselves that, well, he will just forgive me on the backside. When the reality is, he doesn't operate in grace so that we can stumble and receive his mercy, but rather he operates in grace so that we can be saved from the scars and the stains and the heaviness and the brokenness that sin wants to bring upon us. So we have to view God as both loving 
and full of grace and full of mercy, but also holy and just and righteous. And Joshua is reminding the people of this as he calls them to serve the Lord. So here is what we cannot do. We cannot create a picture within our minds and our spirits of who we want the Lord to be to us. But rather, we must come to know Him for who He has revealed Himself to be. And because of who He is, we must serve Him daily with reverence and respect. And this is a work of the Spirit that is ongoing within us daily. Sometimes when we, we think about these kind of things, they, they don't give us lift and cause us to rise, but rather we think about them and they become heavy upon us. And, and we, we, we look at that kind of calling and, 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 and that kind of, of direction for our lives and we say, I don't think I'm able to accomplish that. We're familiar with our weakness. We know our limitations. But I want to fill you with hope today, church. Because that work that happens within us is not contingent upon our own personal strength, but it is a work that the Spirit does. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 and 15. Listen to this and be filled with hope and encouragement. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When you place your faith in Christ, His Spirit dwells within you. As Pastor Marty told us in worship, Christ declared He had to leave so that another could come. And it was the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who would be our helper, the one who would be our comforter, the one who would be our guide, the one who would reveal truth, the one who would point us to Jesus. And as that Spirit dwells within us, He begins to reveal the Lord and Christ in such a way that we see Him for who He is. And every preconceived notion that we had in the old life is redefined because the Spirit works within us and leads us into righteousness. So don't let the spirit lowercase s lead you into fear and bondage and believing that you can't see the Lord for who he is and have his work accomplished in your life, but rather have the spirit, capital S, at work in your life that reveals the Lord and reminds you that there's a spirit of adoption that has overcome you. And you are no longer an orphan, but you are a son and a daughter of the living God. Because of that, the response of your heart is Abba Father. Abba Father. So what spirit has been at work in you? Is it the spirit of the world that wants to define God based upon our own 
notions? Or is it the Spirit of God that reveals His power and His glory and His ability to transform us? I pray that we all see the Lord as Isaiah saw Him. You recall that as he's beginning to write his book. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. That vision of the Lord put his life in perspective and his, his um, response was, woe is me. And he humbles himself. But again, the Lord doesn't leave him in that place of brokenness. A coal is lifted from the altar in heaven, and it touches his lips, and it purifies him. And as he sees the, the train of the Lord's robe that fills the heaven, and he sees his glory and his power and his holiness, and as the Lord touches him, he's risen up to a place that only the Lord could take him, where he's made clean and whole, and the response of his heart is, Lord, send me. May we all have a vision of the Lord like Isaiah did. And may we never lose that vision. We never lose it. But rather, may it always be that which guides our daily decisions. So we have to maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. But we also have to yield our hearts to the Lord daily. See that again in Joshua 24, 14, and then going down into verse 23. Joshua tells the people, put away the gods of your fathers that they served on the other side of the river. He says, incline your heart to the Lord, your God of Israel. So daily, there's a yielding of the heart that must take place not just something that happens at the altar of conversion, but rather it is very much what placing ourselves on the altar of God looks like daily. Lord, I give my life to you again today. Take it. Burn away what is not of you and establish the things that are only found in you. And and I want you to recognize, people, that the call of Jesus is always to move in his direction. It's always to take a step towards Him. It's never to remain idle. It's never to to occupy a space, but it is always to be on the move. That's why Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. You hear the call to come. It's why as the storm raged and the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water, he called out to Peter, come out of the boat and come to me. The Lord is always calling us to move in his direction. It's the reason why Jesus walked up to the grave where Lazarus was and he said, Lazarus, come forth, come to me. Daily we are called to yield our hearts to the Lord and the call of Jesus is always to move in his direction. No matter where we're at in our journey with him, 
He has more. He has more. So what is kind of moving in that direction look like? Joshua gives us two key words there. The first one is to serve. Put away the gods your fathers served on the other side of the river. There's always the other side of the river. Things that we did in a past time that want to resurrect themselves. And Joshua says, put them away. I'd like to think as he says, put them away, he's literally saying, put them down. And when I say, put them down, this is what it looks like to me. Put them down. I have a confession to make. I was working in the yard yesterday, and um, we've got a tree line in our backyard, and um, somebody helped me take down uh, seven different uh, smaller-sized elm trees that were, they were dying. So we got them on the ground. I got all the small stuff cleaned up. The logs, I just rolled up against the tree line until I could get to them. Well, yesterday was the day I got to them. Thank God for 70 degree weather day and <laughs> the blue skies and the sunshine. It was perfect. So I'm out there and I'm cutting everything up into firewood lengths and I'll split it later and, and all of that. And I had everything cleaned up and I was carrying the chainsaw and a couple of other tools towards the garage. And I took a step and I looked and there was a snake. Which is not entirely uncommon we've got a lot of woods that is in our backyard because it butts up to a forest preserve so you know we see everything we see deer and fox and coyote and raccoons and possums and snakes and i mean if it's in northern illinois it usually comes through our backyard but you know what i don't like snakes and you know what all of the women in my house really don't like snakes all right so you know what i did to that snake this is my confession. I killed it. Yeah. Hey, if you're in the woods, that's okay. If you're up near the house, you cross the line, snake. I put him down. Okay? Now, I know some of you are upset with me now, okay? So let's just put that aside for a moment. The point is this. I dealt with the creature swiftly and quickly, and with no hesitation. And I think that that's kind of the way that, that Joshua is calling us to respond to those things from the other side of the river that want to call out to us. We don't entertain them. We don't ponder whether or not they're a good idea. We don't justify that uh, it might be uh, you know, momentarily a source of, 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 of fun or satisfaction to entertain those things, but rather we put them down. Why? Because we daily yield our hearts to the Lord. So this idea of putting away and serving the Lord gives us this picture. The word serve there means to give allegiance exclusively to God. Let me give you another picture that illustrates that. 
if, if, if you are married and have a wedding band on, this is the picture. And we're all familiar with the significance of a wedding band because it is a symbol of covenant. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse. My devotion is to you, Christina, forsaking all others. It's that same spirit of covenant that the Lord invites us into as we make the Lord our shepherd. And then we see this second word that that emphasizes this reality in the word incline. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Which means this. The heart is fixed on God. It's fixed. It's attached. It's connected. One commentator put it this way. Don't dilute your commitment to God. Don't dilute your commitment to God. You know, and sometimes the heart can be a difficult thing to size up. Like where it's at. And let me give you one one easy way to kind of size up your own heart. And it's this. The scriptures say from the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So the words that proceed from your lips indicate what is going on right here. And there cannot be a dichotomy between what we think is going on in our heart and then what is really coming from the mouth. Because the heart and what is spoken reveals what is there. Now, I I don't share that to try to discourage anybody, but I share that to you today to say, if you are concerned, maybe about some of the words that have consistently come out of your mouth or words that just occasionally come from your mouth, your right response is this, yield your heart to the Lord. You know, there was a story that came out of the, the Welsh revivals with Evan Roberts, and it was a great awakening that happened in Wales, and it was powerful, powerful move of God in awakening. And in one small English village, there was a blacksmith that received Christ as his Savior. And this blacksmith had quite the reputation because of what came out of his mouth. So when the word was spread that this man had put his faith in Christ, people began to gather around the blacksmith shop to see for themselves what had happened. And they noticed a change of behavior. They noticed a a change in his countenance. And and, uh, they watched him go about his business. And then one day as he was 
striking the iron and fashioning whatever the job was. He, he was off target, and he hit his thumb. And the bad words began to flow. And within the crowd, everybody said, well, yep, that, you know what? That Jesus thing is not real. He's no different. But then what he did next captured their attention. Because he immediately fell to his knees and cried out to the Lord and repented over his failure and said, Lord, help me to live for you. And you know what? That, um, that example of living repentantly is something that should never be removed from our Christian walk. So if you're here today and your heart is, you know, got some stuff that needs to be evicted, know that Jesus can do it. Because when our hearts are yielded to the Lord, we no longer chase after the desires of the flesh. It's a mark of being a believer. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. So we see here, we need to maintain a healthy fear of the Lord. We need to daily yield our hearts to the Lord. And I'm going to give you a third one. We need to establish a witness. Joshua 24, verse 27. And Joshua said to all of the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he has spoken to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So the context of this is this moment is being shared by the nation. And uh, the location of it was they were not that far from the tabernacle. Like a little bit earlier in Joshua 24 we see that they were under an oak tree and this particular rock and we don't know what was special about this rock but it was it was something that they were around as this exchange took place and Joshua says that stone is going to be a witness and they moved it to the place where the tabernacle was So that every time they came to the house of the Lord, they would walk by that stone and that stone would be a witness to them that would remind them of the covenant and the commitment they had made to God on that day. And then not just for them, but so that future generations would walk by and the children would ask their parents, what is that stone and why is it there? And that would facilitate an exchange that would remind them of what the Lord had done. Established a witness. Why do we need to establish a witness? Well, it's because and you have probably already experienced this, 
but we should not be surprised when challenges come, when hard choices have to be made, and when temptation comes to do something different. And when we face those moments, our faith is built by reminding ourselves of what God has done in the past and the way we have responded to his working in our lives. So Joshua says we're going to establish a witness that's going to be a rock and it's going to remind us and it's going to help us to recall what the Lord has done. Coming back to the 23rd Psalm, those things that we establish as a witness in our life remind us that he always leads us down the path of righteousness for his namesake. The way that we daily put ourselves under the authority of the Lord and make him our shepherd, that we recall and we remember what he has done. And I would say to you, do whatever you need to do to remind yourself of those things. It might look like a journal entry. It might look like something that you write to the Lord. It might look like something that you establish in your life as a reminder. But whatever it is, don't underscore its power and its influence. Because it's a pattern that we see. For much less spiritual reasons, I've got several rocks around my house. Because years and years ago when our kids were smaller and we would go somewhere on vacation, the girls were always interested, you know, in maybe finding a trinket or a, a t-shirt or something. So we would incorporate that into our vacation routine so that they were coming home with things that would remind them of the vacation and the good time that we had, but I don't love to shop quite as much as they do. <laughs> and uh, I don't always find the trinket or the t-shirt, but I do always find a rock. We had one vacation up in Frederick, Wisconsin, where we were almost literally in the middle of nowhere. And my girls in their younger years looked up at me and said, Daddy, what are you, what are you gonna bring home? And I said, I'm gonna bring home a rock because I want something that God made. <laughs> so that has become a habit. And the landscaping and the flower beds around our house have these rocks. And every rock has a story behind it. And every rock reminds me of that vacation to Wisconsin or Tennessee or Michigan or North Carolina or wherever we've been. And I've kind of found out that that helps to make uh, a bit of an arduous task more bearable. Because, you know, flower beds have to be watered, especially when you haven't had rain for 
what, like almost three weeks? So I'm sitting there doing the right thing, and, and as my flesh becomes weary of the time that that takes, I look at that rock and I think of the blessing of that time away and what the Lord has done. And you know what it does? It renews my heart and my mind. That's what a witness does. Can I get a witness? I told you this wasn't a funeral, folks. So I'm going to let you dwell on that again. Can I get a witness? Yeah. God is good. He is with us. He's been with us in the past. He's with us in this day. And he's going to be with us in the future. That you can count on. That you can count on. And as I was, so I was trying to maybe sum up what we were going to look at in Psalm 23, 1, this phrase came to me. You can be unsettled, but still secure. In other words, all kinds of things can be going on around us. But when the Lord is our shepherd, we are secure. We are secure. And David quantifies that in the next phrase, which is what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, there's, there's a little bit of uh, a lack of clarity in regards to when David wrote Psalm 23. You know, did he write it while he was a shepherd? Did he write it later in life? Nobody knows. We don't have the date. Believe me, I looked high and long because I really wanted the answer because I wanted to be able to tell you. But the common consensus is this. David wrote the 23rd Psalm as king. And it's David looking back upon his life and recounting the goodness and the faithfulness of God in every season. And as a, a boy, we all know that David was a, sh a shepherd. He watched over his father's sheep. And, and, and he knew as that time as shepherd boy that it was the responsibility of the shepherd to protect the sheep, to feed the sheep, to lead the sheep, to care for the sheep. And in essence, I believe in the 23rd Psalm, this is David declaring, this is who the Lord has been to me. And you know what? It's who he is to us too. Jesus is the good shepherd, right? John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And we're going to spend the next few weeks kind of unpacking what the provision of the Lord is and what the I shall not want phrase in verse 1 means because he uses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 to kind of explain it. But here's what I want you to know. Our Lord, in giving his life for the sheep, makes it possible for us to join David in saying, I shall not want. That's your inheritance as a son and a daughter. 
because his provision is perfect. We can join David in saying, I shall not want because he leads us, because he's with us, because he restores us, because he fights for us. And you know what? I want us to, I want us to drill down in the weeks to come so that we can know what that means. So that's what moving forward looks like in this 23rd Psalm, and I'm excited. I feel like God has got some really good things for us. I invite you to be looking at this psalm on your own and make sure you don't miss a week and bring somebody with you. Because moving forward, we're going to unpack each of them. So why don't you stand with me as we close this service? Let's uh, bow our heads and open our hearts and let's just have a moment with God. And let's not leave this place this morning not being able to say what David has said, the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to just establish his lordship. I want you to yield yourself to him again, just in that, that, that very personal response between you and the Lord. And a part of that dialogue and conversation might uh, reveal maybe some personal choices that you need to make to follow the Lord. You know, maybe you need to invite the Spirit to lead you into some deeper things of the Lord. Maybe you need to ask the Lord for help so that you can be in an unsettled place but yet still secure in Him. Offer up your prayers and your petitions to God before you leave. Lord, we want to occupy that space that just very freely and confidently says, the Lord is my shepherd. I pray, Lord, for everything that would stand in the way of that desire. May it be revealed. May you remove it from our lives. May you lead us forward. Thank you that you are a, a good shepherd who cares for the sheep. And all that we need is found in you. So may we look to you and to you alone. And Lord, I just pray against a distortion that the enemy would want to bring in relation to 
these realities that we have spoken of. And Lord, I silence every condemning and accusing voice in the name of Jesus. I cast it down in the authority of Christ. We declare it has no right, no power, and no privilege over the people of God. And I just pray, Lord, that your voice would rise above. And I pray that in this moment, Lord, you would be building up your people. You would be establishing faith again. You would be causing our eyes to see, Lord God, a new vision of who we are in you and what you have done for us and the hope that we have in you. So Lord, close the door. I think that's an exercise that some of you need to do today, that there is something that has had access to your heart and mind and it has been free and uncontested. And the Lord would say to you today, deal with it swiftly, do not hesitate. Close the door, put it down, stomp on its head. Don't yield your life to it anymore. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage us in that assignment today. Fill our hearts with confidence and trust and devotion. We don't want to look like the world that we're in, Lord. We want to look like you. periodically and I just don't want this to become routine or but I, I, I just I just invite you to take a deep breath right now take a deep breath because the reality is is that we're the Lord is he changes the atmosphere and there's life and I want you to breathe in his life today. So you just do it as many times as, as you need to. I, you know, maybe you've got more than one thing that the Lord is kind of revealing to you. And take, a, take in a deep breath of his life for every one of them. You know, maybe you've got uh, more than one thing that you are standing in faith for. You know, take in a deep breath of his life for every one of them before you go. I'm, I'm going to do it with you because I'm right there with you. We breathe him in. And we just breathe out those things that don't need to go home with us. Lord, thank you. Thank him.
gratitude. <laughs> gratitude is transformational. Thank the Lord for how he has spoken and ministered to you today. Maybe you're here in the room this morning and, and, and you have not made the decision and the choice to make Christ your Lord and Savior. And all that we have discussed is only available in Him. And you would say to yourself, you know, I'm willing, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make that step, to make that choice. We want to lead you into that decision just by praying a prayer together. But I'd like to know who you are. And if you're here today and you just say, you know what, I, I need to make Christ my Lord and Savior. Would you show me who you are if you're here today? Anyone at all? You can leave here today knowing his life. Lord, we thank you for this time that we've shared. and in your peace. Would you watch over us and keep us and bring us back again safely very soon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give a, can we give a hearty amen to the Lord? <laughs> amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.